up. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21, uh, relishing the assurance. And uh, Ephesians contains two prayers of the Apostle Paul. Both of them are petitions that God uh, would show his people some things that they need to comprehend uh, more fully to help them in their walk with the Lord. And uh, prayer in chapter 1 was for them to have a spirit-taught assurance of the output outcome of God's uh, plans for them. We understand uh, that God does have a plan. It talks about election, predestination, which means that God has a plan for your life. He's got a form. He's got, just as you would mold clay, God has something he wants for your life. And uh, uh, there were some discussions on that. And so picking back up here in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 uh, through 21, we're going to be speaking about that which will help us in spiritual strengthening, continue uh, to look at some things in our life that very well uh, may hinder us from moving forward for the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the, bre- the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing as we look at this further. And we'll talk further about this. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Father, as we come to an understanding of what it is to be a child of God, as what it is also to trust in you. Father, many times in our lives, there's a lot of dust under the carpet. There's a lot of things in our lives that we just place under our bed to make the room look clean, but we're hiding it out. And Father, your desire is that we would be fully clean. Lord, tonight as we preach, as I preach your word, Father, I need your help. I need you to lead my thoughts, lead my words. And Lord, help every one of us to realize the assurance that we have as a child of yours, but also the assurance that you have a plan for our lives. And so, Lord, I yield this time to thee. I love you. I need thee every hour. Lord, help me. Help each and every one of us, Lord as we journey through life, that we would find you as the answer for all we do. I love you and thank you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. So we look through these verses. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Now, why is Paul praying here that they would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Look with me at verse 16. That's where this question comes from. 
strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It is because of a kind of experience to a depth that isn't an automatic reality. The fact is, many of us, many believers are fretful, they're distraught, they're discouraged, they're worried, they're all sorts of different emotions that are not helpful. Yes, the believers are saved. They try to, what we try to do is we sometimes even go through the Psalms and uh, I'm trying to claim promises, trying to grab at something. It's kind of like uh, in rock climbing, oftentimes I'm trying to, as I'm, if I climb rocks and I'm trying to climb these cliff faces and and you're reaching for a handhold and you're like, man, that's got to be a bomber. I mean, a bomber is one, man, you can just put your arm on and you can rest on it. It's a huge one. But sometimes as you're reaching for these, you realize it's not what it seems. And I'm reaching oftentimes for the promises of God. And it might give me a moment of rest, but there's something inside. My soul is troubled. I might have a moment to quiet, but there's, not, there's still the uncertainty of how I'm going to proceed in life. What is it that we need Much more so, and here it's strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. And that's what Paul's telling us. We need a powerful spiritual strengthening in the part of me down inside my heart. The one that nobody sees, the part that is weak. And it is the Spirit of God that does that work in me to change me, a mere resurfacing. Remember when Jesus would call the Pharisees whited sepulchers. He says you're merely putting on outward adornments to make yourself look spiritual. And we oftentimes, and the Pharisees weren't saved because they were trusting in their works. But for those who are Christians, God says, listen, You might be good at looking the part of a good Christian. But I know inside your inner man, there is something else going on. And so the Spirit of God, He strengthened us with might. By His Spirit. It's not mine that strengthens my inner man. What is it that would drive Peter from the place of denying Christ to dying for Christ? Something happened here. Now, first things first. As we look at that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Dwell means literally to house down. Isn't he talking to believers? Doesn't Christ already dwell in their hearts? Yes, he does. But in this idea of house down, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, ye being rooted and grounded in love. Let me give you an example of this. What it's saying here is that it's idea of coming into a house. Now, if I was to enter into your house, I would enter in as a guest. Now, God is saying, I don't want to enter into your house as a guest, but I want to enter into your house as your master. Here's an example. I remember when my wife and I were on deputation, and we would oftentimes go to various houses and and, and we would stay there, and, and the pastor or whomever we were staying with, they said, make yourself at home. You ever heard that statement? Make yourself at home. Now, if I was to act like the occupants of that house, you might think, he's a little too comfortable. 
I mean, you can go there and you might maybe help out. You have a meal and you help clear the dishes and you begin to put things away. But if you behaved in their house like you would in your house when they say, make yourself at home, you never feel quite at home, though, because it's not your house. You wouldn't feel the same liberty to do what the occupants of that house do as you do in yours. To house down, to, to make yourself at home in someone else's house would have been rude in many cases. And so often it is with believers, the statement is, Come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let this food to us be blessed. Right? A kind of a prayer that sometimes kids may hear. But to so many, Jesus Christ is a guest in regard, yes, you're his child. But don't disturb my life. Don't disturb my thoughts. Don't challenge me. Don't, you know, if you go, if he, if he was, imagine in an illustration, if Jesus was in human form in your house. Now, we know he was in human form 2,000 years ago. But if he was in your house in human form and he goes to the fridge and he says, I want that yogurt and I want that ice cream and there's only a little bit of ice cream left. Just enough for one bowl for him. But so oftentimes in our lives, in a spiritual way, Jesus is a guest of the house of our heart. Many don't know the blessing of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. He is not allowed to house down in their hearts. Some will reject rule of anyone else over them. I will not be told what to do. I don't care who you are. I don't care your authority position. You do not get the right to tell me what to do. I will rule my house my way. Others have fleeting moments of tenderness where they allow Christ to rule and then all of a sudden they don't trust and they go back to Jesus as a guest. If I fully let Jesus be the house down, and Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, this idea that <clears throat> Christ has full and absolute, unmitigated, unrestrained rule of your heart, many do not want him to be the master of the house, to be housed down because they don't want to change. Because if I do give up all of this, then I'm going to have to change something in my life. We must trust him if he is given to be the reign of the master, but so often treated like a guest. And so this is why Paul is praying, strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So what we need the Spirit of God to do is expose the selfish protectiveness of my heart, which naturally rules in us. We naturally are selfish. We're naturally protective. If you get a little too close to something that's uncomfortable, I will retreat into a protective, selfish position. 
and we turn off the fan of that which would cause us to let Christ rule in our hearts. There's a gentleman, Mool, and let's consider his words. He said, why do we need a supreme, empowering, just, in order to receive our life, our light? He says, the heart, though it immeasurably needs a blessed indweller, has that in it which dreads his absolute dwelling. Can I trust him with complete internal authority? Will he not use it to purposes terrible to the human heart, asserting his position by some infliction, some exaction, awful and unpitying? So the hand stretched out to open door, the inner door, for the king is supposed to be already received into the porch, in hall and more public, chambers of the being, false falls again and shrinks from that turning of the key, which is to set the last recess quite open to the master. Come, Holy Ghost, and show to the hesitating heart the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that lovely glory shown in that fair countenance, then it shall hesitate no more. Beholding his love and his look, it shall not dread his power and his grasp. It shall be strong to welcome him wholly in, for it shall see in the light of the Spirit that in his presence is fullness of joy, that to serve him is to reign. I treat Christ as a guest of my heart, not the master. And I'm going to speak more on this. We need the aid of the Holy Spirit, strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. I need the Holy Spirit of God to expose my selfish protectiveness so that he will naturally rule. What we have before us then is the first requirement for spiritual strength, a spirit-taught, glad surrender to Jesus Christ as the master of the health. Self-rule. Self cannot be on the throne if Christ is to have permission of house down in the inner man of our heart. If he is to be house down, make yourself at home, master of the house, This is where many believers say, I'm done. I'm out. I tap out of that one. I'm not giving full surrender. I'm not. It would be like, as an analogy, if I was to come into your house and begin to tell you what to do in your house. Now, that would be wrong for me to do that. But God says, I want to come into the house of your heart. I want to come into your house And I want to tell you what to do. And so often we say, no, 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 no. No one tells me what to do. And as a result, we don't enjoy the comfort of allowing him to be the master of the house. You're the guest. He would be the the guest of honor. Oh, I have Jesus. But if he was beginning to tell you, he comes into your house as the master, the, he comes into your heart, and uh, uh, you know, obviously you're already saved, okay? But he comes to house down in your heart. And he goes from, you go from the position of master to position of servant, and he begins to say, listen, I want you to, I want you to go get me some glasses. I, I want you to go wash the dishes. I want you to do this. He comes in as a master of your heart and he says, I want you to do this. You're going from the place which you used to be, selfish, protective, to now being the servant. 
And we often say, no, 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 no one tells me what to do. And I know I'm reiterating this point. Every breach of the divine right must be settled personally with the Master by confessing the mutiny and seeking His forgiveness so that fellowship is restored and the tension is gone between me and God. When there is tension between my spirit and God's spirit, I will be distraught. I will not, I will not have the joy of the Lord. I will not have the peace. I will not be a peacemaker. We must surrender to Him as the master of our heart. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, Faith enables you to say to yourself as you read it, or as you hear it, that is God's word, which says that it is possible to any Christian, to all Christians. Well, therefore, it is possible for me. It is possible for me to know the Lord Jesus Christ in this intimate matter. Faith lays hold upon the promise personally and individually. So you begin to pray, and you go on praying thus in faith until some marvelous moment comes, and suddenly you find yourself knowing Christ. He will have manifested himself to you. He will have taken up his abode in you and settled down in your heart, and you will say with amazement, how could I have spent so many years being satisfied with the mere beginnings of Christianity, the mere portals of the temple when it was so wondrously and gloriously possible for me to enter into the holiest of all. And the thought that comes to mind, we're so used to looking, it would be like if we were a Jew at the time of Solomon's temple, and we looked at the beauty and the grandeur and the glory of the temple, and God is saying, come into the Holy of Holies. You're saying, man, it's just so beautiful out here. I'm, I'm comfortable out here. He says, no, come into the holiest of all. And you begin to walk into the Holy of Holies and then the Holiest of Holies and, and you come into the Holiest of all in the very presence of God and the exterior pales in comparison to being in the presence of God. We know Jesus Christ as Savior, but we don't know Him personally. Because our hearts, we must, we're not surrendered. He's not the Master. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, tells us, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The word shed abroad here means to pour out as you would, pour, as you would cover a floor with water. Imagine you're trying to clean the floor and, and you pour some water. You're shedding it out. We don't just say we shed abroad new carpet. we got to lay it out. It's the basis for his actions toward us. It's shed abroad. It's poured out for us. His love. Shed abroad, as you see there, pour out. And what Christ wants to do is he wants to rip up, as you see here in this slide, the old worn area rugs of self-interest self-indulgence, self-protection, and self-preoccupation, and cleanse the underlying floor covering of Christian love. That word there is misspelled. I will have to correct that. But as we see this, 
that every piece of furniture be enhanced by love and every step in the house be cushioned by love. If you get new carpet, I remember when my family one time, we had a house growing up, it was a, a modular home. And uh, mom and dad had some worn out carpet and we pull all that carpet up and, and we're readying the place. I think they pull it all up to save some money from you know having to remove the carpet. So we pull it outside and I remember when we did that, though there were some spots where some animals had uh, relieved themselves. Had to paint the floor and do some other things to seal in that smell. And, and Christ wants to get rid of the old carpet. He wants to get rid of the other stuff in your life. When Christ reigns and I am submitted to the master of the house of my heart, it bears the marks of a loving Savior. I will live for God. I will live for others. I won't live for myself. Because I am no longer the master of the house of my heart. Jesus is the master. He comes into the house and he tells me what to do. And I say, yes, sir, absolutely, with joy. One commentary says the love in which we are to be rooted, if you look here in Ephesians, going back to Ephesians chapter 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. He says, we are to be rooted is not the love of God or of Christ toward us, but either brotherly love or, uh, or love as a Christian grace without determining its object. It is that love which flows from faith and of which both God and And the brethren are the object. So what is the love? Rooted and grounded in love. It's not, I love love. It's not some baseless love of changing, I love you, and the next minute, I hate you. It is a love that is grounded in a person. As the master of the house, I let him tell me what to do. It's not me telling you. It's God telling you. It is for the... And he goes on to say, it is for the increase and ascendancy of this grace through the indwelling of Christ, till it sustains and strengthens the whole inner man, so that the believer may stand as a well-rooted tree, or as a well-founded building that the apostle here prays, end quotes. Let's look at John 13. Christ wants to come in and he says, listen, he comes into a house of our heart. He says, that is some ugly carpet. You might say that here in this church, but anyways, someday we'll, maybe we'll still give that to Pastor Cook. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How? If you have love one to another. So what is the, who is the master of the determination of love? He is. It's a love for others, the true sign that Christ has taken over. Where I can love other brothers and sisters in the Lord, I have, he's taken possession of the house. We get along. There's without conflict. He cleans the carpet. He brings a brilliance to the house. He's the one that sets the house in order. If someone's life is out of control and out of mess, Christ is not leading. Guaranteed. He's not the head of, he's not the head of that house of the heart. 
It shows Christ's love for us and displays a love in us that chooses the glory of God and the good of others over myself. Unfortunate thing of the self-centeredness at home. The sad state of many Christian marriages reveals that the carpet of love has not been cleaned. On deputation, and as the author here, going through this material, he mentions, he says, we've seen many husbands and wives who have been serving the Lord in churches for many years. But many times in their marriage, there's a gut-wrenching misery. We walk to the altar expecting happiness and only to find heartache and disappointment. What may become a dream becomes a nightmare. We want marital bliss only to find it eroding after the first few years of marriage. There's not peace, there's not satisfaction. By the time the children are in their teens, all peace and satisfaction leaves. Both spouses begin to retreat to survival mode. They protect what few resources they have left because they've been, the resources they have had have been eaten up by selfishness. Children who seem to them at a time of birth to be bundles of joy, as the author here states, tutelage of, under the tutelage of self-centered parents have become sources of great grief and pain because of their own self-centeredness. No child needs, he says, his parents' self-centeredness to learn how to be self-centered, but his parents' self-centeredness authorizes it in the home. When we as parents are self-centered and selfish towards others, we give, author- we give our endorsement on them to be selfish and them to live the life they want, their way. It says self-centeredness, it's tolerated here, come on in. It won't be challenged unless your self-centeredness interferes with my self-centeredness. As long as your self-centeredness, my self-centeredness can get along, it's okay. But if my child's self-centeredness interferes with my self-centeredness, then we have a problem. Then we have conflict. When the child may move out, couples realize they have gone entirely different directions for many years. Some may say, well, it's not. what's the point of staying together? Sometimes marriages are destroyed through pornography, affairs, hobbies, materialism, ambition, and worldliness. And that marriage simply ends in despair. And the spouses will say, what's the point of continuing this relationship? Other pleasures are say, hey, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and you do this, and you do this, and both spouses are going different directions. There's not only hurting marriages, but there's an untold number of children, an alarming number of worldly children who have abandoned the God of their childhood professions, if not forsaken God altogether. If they are saved, they're content with mediocre Christianity that they saw in their parents. And the despair that their parents have over the seeing their children in that particular 
uh, predicament will be seen in those children in years down the road. The author goes on to say, we see many wives discouraged because often they alone are concerned about the spiritual condition of their families. We see husbands who are uninvolved, often stubbornly so, in the spiritual leadership of their families. Often these men bear crushing burdens of personal failures. He mentions directory after directory after church directories where you see families. In that family there was this, there were struggles here and there were struggles here and there were struggles here. What might have been a thriving family, what seemed to be, was only for a time because Christ was never the master of the house of the heart. And as discouraging as that may be, there's also other things where there's teens and young adults, they said, listen... I'm tired of seeing a powerless Christianity. I want to see Christ be exalted. And so they are tired of seeing a low level of mediocre Christianity. And they thirst for something more. There has to be more. There are grieving parents whose families shattered by teens' rebellion. But thankfully, the child turns back to the Lord in genuine dependence upon Him. As was mentioned, as we said before in our series, Change Into His Image, this is not to say that every failure of a child to follow God's way is entirely the fault of the parents. God himself said in Isaiah 1-2, I have nourished and brought up children, they have rebelled against me. That very idea there. God didn't make any mistakes in parenting. Every child has an inclination, right, as Judges talks about, uh, to turn everyone after his own way. There's the, there is that inclination in our heart. So, but... There is upon parents a strong responsibility to exemplify godliness and to saturate our homes with the words of the living God. I want you to look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Then shalt thou fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Notice with me here, it, it talks about binding upon, sign upon thine hands, frontless between thine eyes. When you walk, when you sit down, 
every interaction in our homes, as we relate to one another, as angers flare, as conflict soars, as uh, disagreement happens, as frustrations over life events occur, each of those are an example. Uh, I'm leading to an example in my daughter, and there's things that sometimes she does, and I said, oh my, oh my, there's things I'm doing I probably shouldn't be doing. I'm exemplifying a worldly trait that ought to be godly. The Bible is to dictate my emotions, how I express myself, how I interact, how I deal with conflict. How The Bible is my direction for the manual to how to lead my personal home. And but he, Because Christ first has mastery of my heart. There is a place to find refreshment in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And here in Deuteronomy 6, he's saying, listen, let my word be the master of the house of your heart. Let him clean the carpet of love that underlies everything I do. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If my heart is not ruled by Christ, something else is ruling it. My selfishness, bitterness and hurt from the past, something rules my heart. And if I am exhibiting traits that are not in line with the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, then something is is, is ruling in the house of my heart, but it is not Christ. He's just a guest. And I have to understand, Lord, I surrender. Come into my house Make yourself at home, take control of my home, and I will follow. We're not seeing, and and I'm talking to myself as well as I think on this. I'm not letting Christ be the master to know how to clean the house of my heart. I'm not letting him in. The carpet cleaning job isn't optional. I'll finish this slide and I'll be done for this evening. It is absolutely essential. All of the miseries described that we've talked about in homes before, as I mentioned before. Look with me at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. I'll probably pick this back up where we're at next week, but Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. Galatians 6, 7. Verse 6, Galatians 6, 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse 7, Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. As I said, if I, my self-centeredness is okay with my daughter's or our, a child's self-centeredness, then I'm going to reap the fruit of self-centeredness. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. They're going to reap fruit that I don't like. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flea, flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Just because I bring my daughter to church 
Just because we do devotions in the morning, devotions in the evening, does not mean that she will turn out to be spiritual. I hope she gets saved at a young age. That's my constant daily prayer for her, that she asks Jesus to forgive her of her heart at a young age. But just doing those things is like looking at the temple, but not entering into the presence of God, not letting Christ be the master of the house of my heart and say, God, how do I do it? You tell me what to do. You clean the carpet of my house. You let love work through me. I need to be rooted and grounded in love. And what I described is inevitable. So often, the things of God, the things in church, we think are optional when God says they are to be done. The whole thing of meditating upon God's Word daily isn't just because you're standing outside the the temple saying, wow, it's beautiful, and God's saying, come on in. Enter into my presence. And I don't want to go in, so I don't want to spend that time meditating on God's Word. I don't want to spend that time on my face before God asking for His help. I don't want to spend that time getting to know Him because I don't want Him, I want Him as a guest of my heart. I don't want Him as the Master. So clearly is the carpet of love a sign that Christ reigns in the heart. In 1 John chapter 2, Our last verse for this evening, I'll come back to that Galatians 6 next week, but Lord willing, 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. First John 2, 10. If we exist in our own self-centeredness, we will continue to harbor the ill treatment of others towards us. Verse 10 of 1 John 2, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. You cannot be a God-pleasing Christian without allowing Christ to house down in your hearts. So that he can clean the carpet and put the carpet of love that he put down at salvation. He wants to get rid of the old and he wants to take over the new. It's that surrender. Surrender is not just sometimes like I might hear a sermon at a camp. I remember times, you know, I surrender all to Jesus. And many times we're consumed with just doing outward actions. To reform our lives. He's saying, no, I want to be the master of the house of your heart. And I want to transform this house. I want to make it look new. Surrender should be the norm of the Christian life. The carpet of love stays fresh and living. It's fresh and inviting. When I do that, I am demonstrating that I am strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That inner man's been strengthened. We must embrace and relish the assurance of Christ in me. And when Christ has the mastery of my heart, 
And rather than trying to be in control, I simply submit. It will change how I react to other people. It's quite a convicting message as you think about these truths. We have been created for His glory. As I'm created for His glory, that means He is the master of the house of my heart. Carpet cleaning job isn't optional. Surrender isn't optional. It's required. And only then will we begin to demonstrate the love of Christ for brothers and sisters in the Lord and a commitment to Christ that is unwavering. As we come to the time of invitation this evening, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I won't have any music tonight, but I really do want to just challenge you. And so if you could just take some time of quietness when you're done praying, feel free to look up, and I will conclude in prayer.